Welcome to the Lose Weight, Live Life podcast. If you're someone who would do anything to lose weight, yet finds it impossible to stick to a diet, to eat less, or just what you think you should, this podcast is for you. I am your host, certified life and weight mindset coach, Claire McKenzie. Listen in to learn how to stop overeating, lose weight for the last time, and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love, all without diet deprivation and self-sabotage. So hi, everyone, and welcome to the Lose Weight, Live Life podcast. I'm thrilled to have a special guest who I'm interviewing today, um, Jane Pilger. And Jane is a master certified binge eating and body trust coach and host of the Binge Breakthrough podcast. And I'm really looking forward to talking all things binge eating with Jane. So Jane, thank you for being here and welcome. Yeah, I'd love it if you could you tell me a little bit, I guess, about yourself and how you came to be a binge eating and body trust coach. That would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited. Looking forward to our our conversation today. You know, I binge eating is something that it's just near and dear to my heart. My very first binge, I actually have memories of being a very small child and eating, um, hiding in the pantry and eating Mm -hmm. brown sugar with a spoon. And that's kind of like my first memory of, you know, kind of really using food to kind of really as an attempt to soothe myself. But binging, binging itself didn't kind of become a thing for me until I went to college. And my very first semester in college was my very first binge. And I ended up binging on a box of chocolates that was sent to me as kind of a care package. It was just full of a bunch of, you know, kind of like the the small, like miniature snack sized candy bars. And I don't remember the binge itself, but what I remember is sitting on the floor in my dorm room, surrounded with this empty box and just surrounded by, by wrappers, candy wrappers. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, what have I just done? And I couldn't really, I was, it was like this experience where I didn't, I did not have any memory of the eating itself, but kind of as I came to, I was just terrified. I was mortified. I was filled with so much shame. And that really started uh, literally a decades long quest to try to figure out what was wrong with me and to try to stop doing this thing. But I, when I went now that I'm in a position where I can really look and reflect and understand how it all makes sense, my like deep quest for thinking I was broken, trying to figure out like what was wrong with me, but being in so much shame that I literally would not talk to anybody about it. I was keeping my, I can see so clearly how I was keeping myself in the cycle but I was so desperate to get out. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And so it's something that was with you for a long time. And then I guess sort of come, what, what did that look like when you started to understand what was going on and ways to sort of help yourself? Yeah. So, you know, it really, for me, it was a very long journey. I mean, it was a journey from, I would not talk to anybody to, I finally sought support, but I literally would only speak to the eating disorders therapist that I sought help for. She really encouraged me to tell other people, to tell my loved ones. So it was this long journey of telling other people around me, like kind of being open and vulnerable to what I was really struggling with. From the outside, I was successful. I had it all together. Nobody would have looked at me and thought, oh, that girl 
has a problem. She's suffering. I did gain weight, but it was not a significant amount that anybody would have an idea of actually what was happening for me. And so it was this very long journey of, um, I was married before I even told my husband about what I did, you know, kind of behind closed doors or when he wasn't home or when I was driving around in the car, I went through two rounds of intensive outpatient therapy and an eating disorders treatment center. I, you know, read all the books, did all the things. And each in each one of those times and places, I gathered bits and pieces for myself. And I think I always had this idea that if I figure this out, if I ever get to the place where I feel like I can help others, I want to help other people figure this out as well. You know, kind of you hear the the adage, your mess kind of becomes your message. And I feel like that's really the case for me. And through it all, I felt so broken. And I know it's such a common feeling and people don't talk about it. That's one of the things I think that's such a big thing with binge eating is because there is so much shame, because people don't want to talk about it, they feel very alone and very much like nobody else must eat in this way that I do. Like there is something wrong with me. There is no way that anybody else would understand or would even like, I can't imagine what they might think of me if they knew that I was doing this behind closed doors. And it's, it's through that shame actually perpetuates all of it. So for me, it was like, okay, as I'm on this journey, as I figure this out, I want to help other people really understand, like, you're not broken. There is such a, this all makes so much sense. And so when you can start seeing it and looking at it from the place of, oh, I get it. This makes sense. Mm -hmm. Then you're no longer fighting yourself. You're no longer thinking I'm broken. I'm ashamed. I have to hide. Or like, I'm not okay. I need to stop this terrible thing. It becomes instead of this fight or trying to get away from yourself because you're so disgusted with yourself, you start to understand yourself. And it's like, oh, I see. And I think for me, the probably one of the parts of this journey where I, where I, can, I can look back and be like, Oh, this is kind of when it started to really open up for me. I had an eating disorders therapist who helped me in small little ways understand. And like, I remember one appointment very specifically. And she was like, well, of course you binged. And I was like, what? Like just the openness that was like, oh, it was almost like she understood and she helped me to understand And so that kind of relief that I felt and so many of the fears that I had, she helped me to see that like they weren't going to come true. So she was probably the first glimpse of that kind of like compassionate. Oh, of course. Oh, this makes sense that I really needed to kind of like soften the way that I looked at myself. And that's something that has, you know, it is very important for me. I love to help people understand why it makes sense and yes. to help them get to the like, oh yeah, of course. Like, yes, that makes sense. Yeah. And when you can see it from that soft place, then you can, you really, it's like, you literally have like a different set of glasses that you're seeing yourself. So mm-hmm. instead of you, ha- instead of having the glasses of I hate myself. I'm grossed out. I'm so embarrassed. I can't talk about it. You put on the glasses that are like, oh, this is really hard for you. Oh, yes. Oh, I can see. 
oh, wow. And then all of these other solutions and alternatives, like they, they rise to the surface mm-hmm. that were just, you literally could not see them before because of the glasses that you had on. Yes. Um, and I think, I mean, I'm, I've not got experience with binge eating, but I've got a lot of experience with emotional eating and overeating. And I know there's like, you know, it's probably on a sort of a bit of a continuum, aren't they? So where one stop, stops and when stops, I don't know. And maybe it's down to the individual to decide how they want to sort of think about how they're eating. But I can sort of, I can relate to a lot of what you're saying. And actually, interestingly, even when I went to university myself, your story about going to college, I can remember going to the supermarket probably very early on with this idea that I could buy whatever I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I know that one of the things that I bought at that time was a packet of these sort of like big iced bun things that I would never normally have had. But all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, they're there. I I can, no one's stopping me buying them. Not that anyone would have done before, but it's just some things that you're saying. I can just sort of like little snippets of um, recognition and association with it. I also recognize what you're saying about whether it's a feeling of shame, I found for myself with overeating, it was sort of very much like a frustration and an annoyance that I hadn't managed. So there's both with the, I think with the overeating, because you are big, so people do know that you've got a a problem if you want to sort of label it like that. But also in terms of feeling frustrated that I couldn't solve it for myself, I found that Mm -hmm. was shameful in addition to actually being the weight that I was. So, and I know that you feel that shame is a really big part of like, whether it's letting go, I think sometimes I find it almost like acceptance or forgiveness for how you are, something like that. So yeah, I guess, is anything more that you can add to that there about the shame side of things? Yeah, I think there's there's two things that come up for me that I'd love to cover. One is yeah. even just talking about like that difference, like what is the difference between binging and overeating? And because mm-hmm. I get that question a lot. I actually have a podcast episode about it. So if mm-hmm. anybody wants to go and just listen to the episode of Binge Breakthrough, that is what's the difference between binging and overeating, you can kind of get the longer version there. But I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. And that is that binging is often eating large amounts of food, in a short period of time, typically more than one would eat at one time or one sitting. And there's often a large amount of shame involved. So it's also usually done in secret and generally with the feeling of like, I can't stop, like kind of this feeling of like out of control. Sometimes there's even like, for example, my first binge, you may not even remember the experience it's there can be uh, a lot of times we end up binging to generally for a couple of reasons one it it might be to create an emotion it might be to get rid of an, an emotion but a lot of times it can be literally to dissociate to disconnect so it can be a very dissociative experience where literally i used to say that um it was either two analogies i use are like it's like turning the lights off on myself We can't really get away from ourselves, but with binging, it's like you almost teach yourself and your body to disconnect from yourself. So it's kind of like a way of turning the, turning the lights off. And in some ways it it actually serves or served a very protective purpose. So most people start binging for one of two reasons. One is a result of restriction, extreme dieting often. The other is trauma. And so if there is trauma involved and really the, the 
body, the brain is trying to survive, no matter what the trauma is, if it feels there is some sort of threat to its survival, the brain kind of learns, oh, I can use this thing to kind of separate from myself, to disconnect. And so it actually does, it ends up serving a very viable purpose, but then it kind of gets ingrained in terms of like patterns and pathways and everything. So what was once very protective and actually helped you maybe get through a very challenging time, then after time, it's like, oh, okay, this isn't actually serving me any longer. So then we can kind of look at ways to, to kind of unwind that pattern. But you are absolutely right in that there are a lot of similarities between overeating, emotional eating, and binge eating in terms of kind of like looking at some of the underlying reasons, some of the, just the things that lead us to those behaviors. Binging can be a little more extreme, a little more severe, more of a like true kind of like disconnected dissociative experience, as opposed to, you know, kind of like, I think of like with overeating, you know, it might just be like, oh, I wasn't really paying attention. And then all of a sudden, like, wow, that that bag of popcorn is now empty. But binging might be literally driving to multiple different locations. It might be eating to a place of like, like physical, like extreme discomfort. I mean, I would have sores in the top of my mouth from eating so much food, like because of the textures of what I was eating and the, you know, literally just the the constant repetitive motion, I would get sores in my mouth. I would eat until I was like sweating. Sometimes the combinations of foods even that people eat are, are like, they can be very different than one might even consider eating under like mm-hmm. quote unquote normal circumstances. Yeah. So that's a little bit of, you know, yeah. just kind of understanding that's that. And I'll, the, look, I'll the, look for that specific in episode as well and link to it in the show notes in case I need yeah. to find that. Yeah. So. And I think with the shame, you know, I know there's with, with emotional eating and with overeating, I think there can be different levels of shame. I think a lot of times with emotional eating and overeating, the shame often comes from the thinking about the, the body specifically. So if the result of overeating, the result of over, of, uh, you know, the emotional eating ends up being a larger body, a body that you're not comfortable in. I think that's kind of where the shame can come in is kind of in that experience of, Uh, Sometimes people might even say like, oh, people can see what I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. Like visibly see that. And so there's where sometimes other people are kind of able to quote unquote hide the, the, what they're doing, you know, to kind of like try to get away from their emotions or their experiences. I feel like sometimes that's more where the shame, where the shame comes out with overeating and emotional eating. And I think with binging, it's twofold. One, it there very much is shame around the body itself, but there's an added layer of shame for what feels like very out of control eating. Mm-hmm. Like if this idea that if anybody ever saw me eating in this way, like they would be mortified. I would be mortified if anybody ever saw this. And there's also often a a kind of this tendency of the type of person who can, uh, this is not a, this is not a 
complete generalization, but many people who do find themselves in that pattern of binging have a kind of this, they try to be very controlled in not only what they do, but in what they, in, in their appearance and in not only their physical appearance, but also kind of their, how they are perceived to other people. And this was for sure for me, like I wanted people to see me as smart, as successful, as literally like having it all together, like having my life under control. Mm -hmm. And so then when you feel out of control with food, because literally you are trying to control some things that can't be controlled, then it's like you feel out of control and it feels so contrary to what you have put your emphasis in, then it's like, oh my gosh, like nobody could ever know just how out of control I am because it goes so against the image that I have that I've created of myself. I think that's that's really interesting because I think I can see that that is probably quite a difference in terms of the, the, the image when we're, you know, someone who's overweight or not happy with their weight or is judgmental of their weight. And it's not about the actual number that you are on the scales. It's just about thinking about yourself, but you're not seeing yourself as presenting a perfect image to that outside world. So that is, that does look like that's probably a, a key yeah. difference there. So that's really yes. interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, I remember I was, um, years ago, I was, in a, I was actually in a newspaper article, which was a big deal for me. This was, you know, obviously pre-business and pre-podcast and whatever. But the local eating disorders treatment center that I went to, yeah. they there was an article being done and they asked me if I wanted to be in this article. So there was a picture of me in my house and the title was eating disorders are not always easy to detect or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's so true, right? Because it's like, you can't always just look at somebody You can't look at anybody and know actually the truth of what's happening for them, whether it's what's happening in their mind, what's happening, you know, in their home or how they're showing up on any given day. But when your identity is this person who like has it together and then you show up in this other way, it's very, very hard to navigate. And it's like when then it's like it feels like there must be something wrong with me. Yes. Like I must be broken. Yeah. Yes. I, mean, I imagine there's a lot of fear there as well. Yes. And so that shame, that fear, that anxiety, that feeling of like brokenness, yes. it all, it just perpetuates, right? It makes you want to go eat more mm-hmm. and hide more. And, you know, as we know, shame, like it thrives in the darkness and it perpetuates and we grow it. And like, and then, and then you start to see yourself as this person who is out of control, who does not, you know, like, then you start to kind of create the identity as someone with an eating disorder, as someone who is out of control, as someone who doesn't trust themselves. And then again, you're just like perpetuating that cycle. Okay. No, that's, that's really interesting. Thank you. So what else in terms of, I know you also talk about trusting your body. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I just really believe that our bodies are innately so wise Mm -hmm. and that your, your body is always communicating with you. But what happens is that through literally the diet industry and all of the things that we have learned from society, from all the books we've read, all the magazines we've read, all the online articles, all the experts, they have told us, here's what you need to do. 
eat this, don't eat that. Eat in these particular windows, don't eat at these particular times. Eat, you know, back in the day when I was growing up, it was like, here's the number of calories that you are allowed to eat in a given day. You know, eat this, like, don't eat that. And because we've gotten all these messages, we have literally taught ourselves to disconnect Mm -hmm. from the signals and the communication of our body. It's like, oh, I mean, how many of us, myself included, have gotten hungry mid-morning and it's like, oh no, it's not time to eat. It's not time for lunch. It's not lunchtime. Therefore, I'm not going to eat. Well, I've already eaten my allocated whatever for the day. So even though my stomach is growling, I'm not going to eat, right? We have literally taught ourselves to disconnect from the signals and from the messages that our body has. And then if we think about all of these messages that messages that we've received over the years, think about how con- contradictory they all are. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could like line up 50 of the things we've heard, whether they're diets, whether they're like ideas or practices or whatever, we could line 50 of them up and they would, most of them would contradict with each other. So there's kind of like this goal of I'm going to find like the right way that somebody outside of me is going Mm -hmm. to tell me is going to work for me. Oh, well, that works for her. That must be what I need to do. No, your body literally has all the answers, Mm -hmm. all of them, your body when you were I mean, think about babies, children, when they are when their needs are met, and they are attuned to. Yes. They very naturally know when they're hungry, Mm -hmm. they stop when they're done. It's like they are very attuned to themselves. We, over time, through external sources, we get tuned out. But the beauty is that our body did not lose its ability to communicate with us. We've just tuned it out. Mm -hmm. So all we need to do is learn the skill of tuning back in. What Mm -hmm. does it look like to tune into my body, to start to trust my body actually knows way more than anyone on the internet, than mm-hmm. any coach out there, than any expert out there. I will never tell anybody what to eat. I never mm-hmm. will. I can't know. I can't know what you should eat. I can't know when you should eat. I cannot know those answers, but way better. I can teach you how to develop the trust with your body so that you will know when to eat. And you'll actually be listening to what your body's telling you, not 500 people on the internet who are all just trying to make money from whatever their program or their packaging or their idea or whatever is. It's like, it's all so different. So I believe that we all can learn to reconnect with our body. Mm -hmm. I believe that your body is always communicating with you we've just stopped listening. So if you can just tune in to at any point, it doesn't even have to be around food. Sometimes I suggest you actually start this away from food because food can be very charged, right? We have a lot of thoughts and feelings and experiences and emotions about our food and what to eat and what not to eat. But can you start tuning into your body in other ways? Like right now, for example, I'm thirsty. I can very much tell my body is communicating to me. I need something to drink, mm-hmm. right? What other ways is your body communicating with you? Whether it's fatigue, whether it's, you know what? I would love to just get up and move around a little bit. How many of us don't go to the bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to finish this thing. I got to, I do this. 
I've got to like sit and I don't want to get up because I'm in the middle of this thing. That's not really honoring what my body is asking for. So if we can start to tune in in little ways, like, oh, wow, my body really is always communicating with me. I actually can trust my body. And if you look for it, you develop the trust, then you can start applying it in food. The more you look for it, the more you'll find it. Then the trust, you know, trust with anything, whether it's with a person, with ourselves, with our bodies, it's developed over time. Mm -hmm. So we need to build it intentionally. But if you can believe even in the possibility that maybe my body actually knows best, Maybe my body knows better than any book, any podcast, any thing, any person I can find on the internet. Maybe my body really knows. And I sure now don't get me wrong. I love podcasts. I love books. Mm -hmm. I love seeking out other ideas, other concepts, but always use your body to tell if it's resonant, if it resonates with you, like your body can tell you, yes, her, yes, what she's saying, I actually resonate with this. Maybe I want to experiment with it. Or, mm-hmm. ooh, I don't know if I like that. Like, ooh, like I'm not so sure. Your body, even in that way, your body can guide you. You can trust your body to guide you towards a teacher, towards a mentor, but don't ever let them be the expert. Let them be a guide and mm-hmm. always trust yourself and your body to be the expert as to whether what anybody is telling you is something that might fit for you or not, Mm -hmm. because you are the master. Nobody knows you better than you do. Yes. I think um, one of the things I've I've talked about with some of my clients before is this idea that if you have like a guest staying in your house, then you're always checking in with them. Are you hot enough? Are you cold enough? Did you sleep okay? Was the bed comfortable? Would you like something to eat? Would you like something to drink? Even like probably with our children as well, but we just don't do that with ourselves. We don't, we stop checking in and sort of saying, you know, what what do you need right now? And I think that for some people, but certainly what I think for myself is I filled all of those needs with food. <laughs> so it was like, I actually need a break from work. I'd get up and eat. It's sort of like, I'm thirsty, I'd eat. So yeah, yeah, it's really, as you say, learning to listen to what your body actually wants and actually needs. And then sort of taking a deep breath and like, okay, fine. Let's sort of move forward with that. Yes. Yeah. So two things come up for me there. One is I always love asking, what do I really need in this moment? Mm -hmm. Always asking, like just getting curious. What do I need? How can I meet that need? Even Mm -hmm. if I can't meet that need right now, is there some little tiny thing? If I need a break, but I really like don't have time for a break, maybe I can just take two deep breaths, put my hand on my heart, two deep breaths. That's enough of a break. And then I can plan for, okay, at this time this afternoon, I'm taking a break. Like I am going to, if I can't meet the need right now, I make a plan for how I am going to meet that need in the future. Such a powerful thing is really just that, that question of asking, right? What do Mm -hmm. I really need now? Here's the other part that I find incredibly important. When we talk about trusting your body, I talk about two-way trust. So it's not only important that I listen to my body, Mm -hmm. but my, so that's, that's trusting one way, right? That my, I am trusting my body to communicate to me what it needs. Now, here's the second part of two-way trust. My body has to get trust that I am actually going to listen because what happens is when so many of us have been on diets for years or decades, we may hear the communication from our body, but we don't listen. Mm -hmm. 
So the body is like, okay, I'm hungry, but I don't necessarily trust that you are going to feed me. Especially this happens a lot with binge eating that comes as a result of restriction, restriction, whether it's physical restriction or emotional restriction, there's two different types of restriction that I talk about in another episode of my podcast, which is a great one. But when we have restricted, when we have had these periods of time, a lot of times binge eaters kind of go back and forth between extreme restriction, so extreme dieting, and then eating a lot of food. And what happens is the brain is like, look, I don't know if you are going to give me a lot of food or if you're going to starve me. So I am going to take these opportunities to get food when I can, because I don't really trust you, right? It's that two-way trust. I don't trust that you're going to feed me on a regular and faithful basis. So the the two-way trust, it becomes really important in that one, I'm trusting my body's going to tell me what it needs. But the second part of two-way trust is my body has to trust that I'm actually going to respond and listen to it when it does communicate with me. So that if it is hungry, I'm actually going to feed myself. My body has to trust it's going to get food on a regular basis, or it will keep binging because it's like, I don't know if we're going on a starvation diet next week. So I'm going to get this while I can. Mm -hmm. So that's where the two-way trust is so important because Mm -hmm. it is, it's us trusting our body and then our body trusting that we're actually going to respond to, to the needs. Yeah. You've mentioned a couple of times about the challenges brought up by the diet industry and about restriction and about how that has contributed to some people binge eating. Do you think that we're seeing a shift change or do you think it's not yet? Where do, do you think that will change? Yeah, you know, I think we're in this place right now where it's like there is there is kind of this camp of the anti-diet industry. Mm-hmm. And I think we've kind of shifted to where there's almost this place of like, okay, there's this diet industry and then there's this anti-diet industry. But I think in some in some cases, I don't want to put a blanket, you know, a blanket statement on the anti-diet industry because I think there are some people who do this very well. But the challenge that I can see sometimes with the anti-diet industry is it almost goes too far on the other extreme. So it's kind of like, you know, screw diets, screw trying to take care of yourself. Like it shouldn't matter. Just eat whatever you want, whenever you want. And like, we should all just be fine. And I don't, for me, I always talk about connection. Mm -hmm. I believe that binging happens when we are disconnected. We're disconnected from ourselves, from our emotions, from our body, from our signals, from what we really need. So to me, it's not so much a like, are we dieting? Are we not dieting? Are we on like either extreme? I don't think extremes of anything are helpful for anybody, Mm -hmm. but I love to focus on just connection, right? Because what I see with the anti-diet industry in some cases is it's just kind of like, it's almost an invitation to disconnect in just in other ways. So I don't think that disconnecting is ever the answer when it's that the answer is just, eat whatever, like without regards for how you're actually going to feel physically, how you're going to feel emotionally, 
Like I do, I don't agree that like, you know, we should all be, you know, chasing some size or some number on the scale, like those types of things I I don't find helpful. But if you can really think about like what you want for yourself as both looking at physical health, mental health, emotional health, being connected, I love asking questions more from a place of connection, supportive, what would be really supportive? right now, supportive, nourishing, attuned, connected, like those are the types of words that I really resonate with, in terms of making choices, not from this place of like, is this good or bad? Is this going to help me lose weight? Is this going to help me be in a smaller size or a smaller body? Like, I don't agree with decisions from that place at all. Mm -hmm. But I also don't agree with the like, screw it all, like, let's just eat whatever, and not really be paying attention to when I eat these things, what does it feel like? Mm-hmm. What do I feel in my body? Do I have the energy to show up in the ways that I want to show up? Yes. Really understanding kind of the reasons. Like I always say, know your reasons for any choice, whether we're talking about what to eat or what to do at two o'clock in the afternoon or when to go to bed. Like I don't care what we're talking about. Know your reasons and like your reasons. Any reason is fine. You are allowed to choose anything you want, anything. Mm -hmm. You can eat anything you want. Just know your reasons and like them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Brilliant. One of the other things I've heard you talk about, and it sort of, I guess, ties in with this being connected, is being regulated versus dysregulated. Mm -hmm. Are you able to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think for me, this was really the last piece. Like I, I, you know, for sure it has been a journey. I have had times where I have not binged for a period of time and then, you know, binging has come back. I have had, I have all, uh, all kinds of things on my journey. And I would say one of the very last pieces that really helped put things into place for me was truly gaining a much better understanding of the nervous system, the nervous system itself, and how the nervous system impacts our eating behaviors. And I don't recall ever in my kind of, as I was approaching this, as I was doing other things, even in my eating disorder treatment, I don't remember learning anything about my nervous system. But once I learned about it, I was like, oh, wow, this makes so much sense. And so the nervous system, I have another great podcast episode about the nervous system that you can listen to, to kind of get more information about it. But essentially within our nervous system, you know, we kind of have like basically our regulated, our nice kind of calm place where you're connected with yourself. I like to call it home base. Mm -hmm. Some people talk about within the nervous system, the window of tolerance. It's just this place where you're able to kind of do life. You and I are both regulated right now. We're, you know, in that place, you're able to make progress towards your goals and do all of these things. But when our brain perceives some sort of threat, it doesn't even have to be real threat. It's just the perceived threat. It can go into a survival response. And so that might look like fight or flight, where we have a lot of energy in our nervous system, or it might look like kind of a freeze response where we have a very low kind of shutdown energy. And what can happen for people who binge eat, they, a lot of them experience a lot of time up in that fight or flight space. So they're kind of in this dysregulated survival response. And what the brain figures out is there literally is like, it's too much energy in the body. It's like the, if you can picture like a car, it's like revving, right? It's like red lines. 
we need to drain that energy to kind of come back down. So the brain figures out, oh, you know what? We'll do that food. We can actually use food to kind of drain the energy and pull us back down. But what happens is often we end up kind of going down too far. So we go down into kind of the home base, the regulated place, and then we end up down below more in that shutdown place. And that's when you are, so you can kind of almost just picture yourself like, ah, like I'm worried, I'm overwhelmed, I'm anxious. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in this kind of like doubt, fear, worry place that feels kind of very buzzy in my body. And then I end up, I go and I eat. And then all of a sudden now I'm like sitting on the couch and I'm watching Netflix or I'm scrolling my phone and there is no energy in my body. I don't even care what's going on there. Now I'm like below home base down there. And so what can happen with this is when we can just understand like, oh, wow. Okay. I can see how food is kind of attempting again to meet that need, right? I've got all this excess energy in my body. Food is attempting to meet the need. How can I then approach meeting that need in other ways? How can I drain that energy in other ways? So then we can start to look at our own patterns and our own experience. And I, I found for myself, wow, I never slowed down. The only, it was like my brain would literally, the only way I would slow down is after a binge. Mm-hmm. It was like my brain kind of learned, all right, you're not going to slow down intentionally. I will force you to slow down through a bench. Yeah. So then I, then I could see, oh, okay, I need to actually change my own patterns, the way that I relate to myself and my nervous system. So I can just spend more time in that place where we are grounded, regulated, able to make progress towards our goals and everything else. Mm -hmm. And so it comes back really to taking care of yourself, getting really, really good at taking care of yourself, both physically and emotionally. Yes. Yes. I ultimately think, you know, a lot of people think when they think about binging, even overeating or emotional eating, there's a lot of this idea of like, I did this to myself. Mm-hmm. I do this bad thing. It's like, I, I, I don't ever believe it comes from a negative place. I really don't. I think it's always an attempt to care for ourselves. It just comes out kind of sideways. Mm-hmm. So when we can see like, I'm not trying, you're not trying to be mean to yourself. You are not like doing this to yourself intentionally. Mm-hmm. So when we can see like, oh, actually my body, re- your body and your brain really does have your best interest in mind all the time. So if you can actually start working with your body, how can I really take care of myself, honor myself in a nurturing, supportive way? What happens is the food behaviors, whether it's overeating, binging, emotional eating, eating in secret, like those things, actually the way that I see it, they just fall away. It's not like we have to like work hard through willpower and like all of these things. It's like so many times clients are like, uh, this kind of feels easy. It's like, yes, Yes. when it feels easy, we actually, you know, you've made that shift. You've put on the different glasses And now you're literally can see yourself and the way you're approaching yourself and your body in such a different way that it's like, oh, I literally can see that the way that I was doing that, I was trying to care for myself, but it was not, it it was not achieving what it was attempting to achieve. So if I can shift that to now, what am I trying to achieve here? What are the needs? How do I support myself? Then it literally is the shift that like it, it kind of ends up taking care of itself from such a, just a softer, 
gentler place that really has your best interests and your body's best interests in mind. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. One more question. If so, if someone is listening to this podcast and they are binging or and they're sort of curious about, you know, where they should start or what they should do next, I guess there's two parts of this question. One is how can they find out more about you? So I'd love you to tell us more about that and where you are on Instagram or Facebook or your website and all that sort of thing. But also just is, you know, what is maybe one piece of advice if there's one thing they could do for themselves like tomorrow to just make that tiny little shift? What would that be? So two, two questions there together. Yeah, yeah. So the, the first thing in terms of how anybody can find me, I would say three places, really. My website is janepilger.com. So you can find out all kinds of information there at janepilger.com. Uh, my podcast, again, is called Binge Breakthrough. Great resource for all kinds of things. And I'll, I'll kind of expand on that in a little bit. And then I'm also on Instagram and Facebook in both places at Jane Pilger coaching is my handle there. And so as far as advice for anybody who is struggling, they find themselves binging, you know, kind of like what's one thing I could do today. I could do tomorrow. I always say that awareness is the first step to change. Mm -hmm. So if you've heard anything today, like, is there something that was like, wow, that is that's something I had never thought of before, or I really want to learn more about that. Like literally, again, you are your best, you are your best guide. And so if you heard something today that you were like, wow, I want to hear more about that. I want to learn more about that. Everything we've talked about, I have covered in some way within the Binge Breakthrough podcast. It's a great way you can go and just start getting curious. I think understanding Shifting from a place of shame and judgment into curiosity. Curiosity is like, huh, how does this make sense? How does it make sense that I'm eating in the way that I'm eating is such an important shift for anybody. The shame and the judgment, shame and judgment sounds like what's wrong with me? Why do I keep doing this to myself? I'm broken. That's shame and judgment. I can't believe I did it again. I'll never figure this out. We want to shift away from that. We want to shift into curiosity, shift into understanding. How does this make sense? Mm -hmm. How does it make sense that I'm doing this thing? If I'm not broken, I will promise you, you are not broken. So if I'm not broken, if it's even possible that I'm not broken, what else might be true? How might this make sense? And your brain literally will go to work to find evidence for whatever it believes to be true. So if you believe I'm broken, I'll never figure this out. I have to deal with this for the rest of my life. That's what you're going to find. But if you believe, you know what? It may be possible I'm not broken. It may be possible this could be way easier than I think. Maybe I just need to put some different classes on. What would that look like? Open your mind to that and then you will find you will find the resources, you will find the answers. That's the beauty of the brain. When you learn what the brain is, how it works, you mm-hmm. can learn how to work with your brain instead of kind of working against it and fighting with it. And that's what sometimes we end up kind of working at the effect of our human brain. So when you can understand this is how it works, this is how I work with it, this is how I work with my body, it's like it all shifts. So if you can shift, the one thing I would say is just shift from shame and judgment into curiosity and understanding, and then just let your brain kind of open up to the possibilities and what else might be true for you. Thank you so much, Jane. I really appreciate 
you coming onto the podcast and it's been great chatting with you and for everyone listening I will put those links where you can find Jane in the show notes and so yeah thank you so much thank you thanks so much for having me I loved our conversation today if you enjoyed listening to this podcast and are ready to live a more intentional life lose weight as a part of that journey and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love then I would be honored to have you join the lose weight live life academy membership and coach with me The program offers different levels of support to suit you, including self-paced learning, twice-weekly calls, private coaching, an amazingly caring community, and lots more. Find out all the details about when and how you can join at www.thebestyou.coach forward slash coaching.